Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 60 for Monday, April 11th, 2016. Folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. So we should warn everyone that uh, though you sound pristine and clear to me, um, I don't sound that way to you today because of the bandwidth gods, and we've got a little bit of a weird lag between us. So I don't know where this show's going to go, but how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good. I had a nice weekend and uh, a lot of gigs. And then just to share a little personal note, my wonderful children surprised Terry and I with a 30th anniversary surprise party on Sunday. So, whoa, yeah, it was really cool. That's really cool. Oh, I, I, I had seen that your your kids were out there, but I didn't uh, I didn't know why. That's outstanding, man. Congratulations. Yeah, That's awesome. So li- thank you. Thank you. Life. Life is wonderful. That's good, man. Yeah. Um, do you have gigs this weekend? I did. I had one acoustic gig, a solo, and then I had two house tracker gigs and it was a pretty interesting flow. The, the solo acoustic gig was, um, good. You know, it was solid. Um, I felt good about it. Voice felt good, you know, tried out some new songs. They went good. And then we had our first house rocker gig in a couple of weeks and it was good. I mean, the audience really liked it. It's a club that we've worked really hard to build an audience at. So it's a club about 50 miles from here uh, in an area town. And that's the place we've been playing for you know, a real long time. And I don't have to do much promotion of those gigs myself, uh, which is good because, you know, that's I have handy. two gigs in a week. Yeah. Well, oh, it is. Right. And so, you, you know, yeah, you can only stretch so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to bombard people. You, if whenever possible, you'd like to localize the advertising, but the, um, so I don't have to do much for this East Bay gig. And uh, and we've been packing that club for a long time. And again, people really like us. They go out of their way to come see us out there. And so that's good. And then we had a, a, a gig in the in the club in our town here. Now, the gig, the, the first night was a little rougher and, you know, rougher for different reasons. You know, there, there were like lyrics issues and a little bit of hearing issues and, you know, those types of things. But by the end of the gig, the, the adrenaline was flowing and the audience was really into it and and uh, and and really went very well. And then the next night, though, was really fun. I mean, it was like, you know, the new material was starting to come together like butter. And, and uh, we, we kind of like got a great flow into our, our sets. And we had a lot of family and friends there that were really encouraging. And and uh, so, you know, it's the ups and downs of gigs, right? You know, my voice though, was interesting. So my voice was really strong for the acoustic gig. Because of some of the hearing problems, I pushed a little hard and I was a little bit froggy after the second gig. Didn't know exactly what would happen. Yeah. But then as I warmed up, it actually eased right into a nice kind of like, you know, kind of a, a, a little bit of gravel, but, you know, still able to have some range. And yeah. so, you know, it's the other thing when you have three in a week and you're singing a lot and uh, and you're learning all the time what works, what doesn't work, what what works physically in your body and what doesn't work right. you know, physically in your body. So I, I'd say, I'd call it a learning weekend. How's that? Yeah, that's, um, I same, <laughs> uh, yeah, those are good weekends to have. 
Um, not always when you're experiencing them, but uh, but certainly in retrospect, they're always good to have. Um, yeah, it, it's funny you you use the word flow a few times uh, in your description of your gigs this weekend. We had a fling gig on Friday night, and it was our first what I'll call normal bar gig in a while. Right, we've been playing, but it's been. You know, our, our, well, our efforts have sort of been divided between playing live and then uh, recording some tunes that we're going to release some of our originals. And and the gigs that we've been playing have been, you know, things like our Fling Fest and other sort of private events where it, it's it's different than playing in a in just a club where there's people you know and also people you don't know, right? You know, it's not your event necessarily, although part of it is, and. Uh, and so we we went into this a little apprehensive, um, you know, which is good. Everybody's sort of on high alert, like, all right, you know, we've done this many times before, but it's been a little while since we've had a gig like this. We're playing multiple sets and, you know, and, and just kind of have to flow the night. And uh, going into it, it was a room we'd never played before. Um, and it was upstairs, which, you know, is always it, really it's more trouble in our heads ahead of the, the gig than it is in, in real life. But, you know, we made it out to be a big thing and, and it, it really wasn't. It was fine. We got set up and uh, started tweaking the PA because we do our own sound. And it was kind of an A-frame type room. And, and it, actually, I, I both Russ and I thought about uh, Daryl's house because the way the drums set up, there was this big dormer right above where uh, like the middle of the kit was. So it was great. We knew the sound of the drums would, would kind of go up there and, and, and not bounce back down. But the rest of the roof was this kind of a frame thing. And where we had the PA speakers, um, we were getting all kinds of feedback. I mean, the monitors, I was able to tune them up real easy, like butter, no problem. Turn on the mains and suddenly things are feeding back. And it's like, gosh, they're out in front. Where's this reflection coming from? We look at the ceiling and it's, well, you know, the speakers are hitting this and, uh, you know, we're trying to like tune it out of the thing, but really there's nothing. It's just like happening everywhere across the board. And finally, Aaron, our keyboard player had the right answer. And as soon as he said it, I knew he was right. He said, we need to lower the mains, not turn them down, but, you know, lower them physically and bring them away from the ceiling. I think we've even talked about this on this show before, maybe not recently enough, because it certainly wasn't in my head. But uh, but that was the magic answer. We we lowered, you know, the mains by about six inches and suddenly the sound was just pristine. And it was one of the best sounding uh, gigs we've we've ever had, according to uh, people that were there. So that was good. Cool. And then we started playing. And, <laughs> and well, it, you know, <laughs> the first set we did two sets and we did about an hour and a half and then an hour. Um, and the first set was magic. Uh, you know, as I said, we all hit the stage with a you know a little bit of apprehension just because it had been a while and was a new room. And, you know, it was one of those things. They weren't playing any music in the in the room ahead of time. They were. So we didn't put stuff on in our system and then they weren't. So there was like 10 minutes before we played where there was nothing, which is kind of weird. And it was, again, one of those things where it was like, you know, your instincts start to say, maybe we should play quiet because it was an 8 p.m. start. There's still some people having dinner. And it was like, you know, should we ease into this? I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, we don't need to come out, you know, totally, you know, balls to the wall, but we should just play. So we opened with some, you know, like Tom Petty's Listen to Her Heart. I mean, a song that, you know, it moves. And uh, and it was great. And the whole set was great. Now, that's not to say that there weren't problems. Uh, you know, there were song form issues that occasionally things got screwed up or or whatever. But we had flow. 
you know, and it just, this one song flowed into the next really well. It felt natural. We felt relaxed. Like I said, we made a couple of mistakes here and there, but that's going to happen. And, and nobody noticed, you know, it was just, we just played and it was great right up until the last song of the first set. And we should have ended a song early. Uh, I felt it, but didn't say anything about it. And we just played the last song that we had on the set list anyway. And our hearts weren't in it. And it was a little weird. And man, did we stay there for the rest of the night? The set break didn't help. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, again, I think the people that were there, in fact, I know the people that were there said it was great. And and some of them are people that I know would be honest with me, you know, um, but not necessarily musicians. Right. So not reading fully into what they're they're seeing on stage, but it felt disconnected. Couldn't really get that flow from it was like pulling teeth to feel like we had energy that carried from one song to the next. And um, we had some volume problems on stage. One of our guitar players, the volume just kept creeping up and um, it just got out a little out of, you know, out of whack. But it was it wasn't any one thing. It was just us. We just couldn't pull it together uh, in our own heads. You know, again, based on what the crowd said, it was great. They loved it. But it was one of those things where we all left the stage knowing, yeah, this wasn't this wasn't our best work. But the first set might have been That's frustrating. It is frustrating, yeah. And it, but you know, it happens, and and it's hard to it's hard to have the the better moment happen earlier in the night, right? Because you know, I'm I always you know the last song I played is is all that you know <laughs> is all I want to think about, right? You know, and that's the beauty right. of of live art is you you are on the spot to do it well, but you also get an opportunity to, you know, redeem yourself if if the last thing didn't go so well. It's like, all right, well, let's do something we're good at. And we did. I mean, it was fine. But it again, it had been a while since we did a club gig. So in that sense, I had forgotten about a lot of our tricks and, you know, on the way home and, and even in the days since it's been like, oh, there's that one tune that that that's our song. If we're having trouble, you know, we don't put it on the set for a reason because we know we want it in our back pocket. We can just pull it out. It's actually a tune that most people don't even know. It was written by a guy named Ray Pechkowski called uh, Get Back Home. And uh, but it's just a tune we play really well. People always like it and we can just relax into it. And, and then we come out of that tune and like the rest of the set, it usually blossoms and is really nice, but, um, cool. yeah, but yeah, but I totally forgot about using it that way. <laughs> That's the problem. It would have, it would have, it may have been the saving grace of the set, but, uh, I, I have to say, I've never had a gig go downhill. I've only had gigs go uphill. We've started slow yeah, and tried a lot of things to course correct, but I've never, it's been a while. No, I can't say I can ever remember a gig coming off the wheels coming off and, and go just going downhill from there. Yeah. That must be a really weird feeling. It was a weird feeling. It was frustrating. And part of it was because of how stellar the first set was. I mean, it, it would have been unreasonable to expect any band to play two sets at that level. Right. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And I think part of it was, was simply that, but part of it was, it gave us, you know, we went into that first set, like I said, a little apprehensive, a little, you know, on edge. Everybody was listening, big ears. And the confidence of that first set combined with a break where maybe, you know, a couple of drinks or whatever. Um, the second set, again, nobody in the room knew except the five of us. Mm. But it's frustrating. You know, it's like, yeah, it sucks. But it happens. I mean, it's fine. 
it, you know, doesn't take anything away from how fantastic the first set was. And that's sort of the hard thing is like, okay, you gotta, you gotta, you know, own both of these things. Don't just own the second set. Like, you know, you made that first set happen. That was good. Play a whole show. Yeah. Yeah. Play a Here's whole show. an interesting question for you. Yeah. Um, put into big buckets, the cat, the, the, the things that go wrong, like, like don't, don't get too granular, but sure. like for, for us, form and lyrics are, are the two things that can go wrong. And again, if you're a good band, you can hide form. Yes. And if you're a clever singer, sometimes you can hide lyrics, you know, by making them up as you go, as yes. long as, you know, right. But, you know, as we said, like one of the greatest things that I've enjoyed that you shared is that friend of yours who sang for Van Halen saying, you never know which is the line that someone came to hear. And so there is that risk, but, but you know, for 90% of the audience, you might be able to get away with changing a lyric here and there, but what are the big buckets when things go wrong for you? What are the big buckets form is what makes us crazy. Yeah. We, we had those problems. And that was the funny thing. I, I, I sort of wrote this big log first. I was like, I can't wait till Monday when Paul and I can talk about this. And it was like, well, some of this is, is private. You know, but uh, and and should sure. stay private. But most of it doesn't have to, you know. And so I wrote this big long email to the guys, and it was again pretty much what I just shared. You know that it's about flow, and and because in the first we had those same problems, form problems, lyric problems, uh, in the first set as we did in the second. In fact, arguably we had less of them in the second set. Um, we had some attention problems in the second set. Uh, which can contribute to form problems. But I mean, we, we skipped entire sections of songs in uh, one song in particular in that first set. Uh, and it went fine. It was like, Oh, I see where we are now. Okay. No problem. You know, here, when you here say attention, you mean focus, focus. Yeah. And, and just communication, it, it, you know, sometimes um, we, we just couldn't stay in sync uh, and it, sometimes when it's, you know, as the set flows, you've got to have communication amongst the band members about like, okay, here's what we're going to do next. We're changing this thing or we're not changing this thing that we might've changed, you know, that kind of stuff. And in the first set, everybody, again, it wasn't perfect, but everything was locked in and everybody was paying attention to each other and catching all of that stuff. In the second set, none of it was caught. Um, And that talk to me a little bit about, Catching it because this is an interesting thing. Yeah. How, um, if, if a musician is in the audience watching your band go through what you're going through, is your, is your communication on stage apparent to another musician watching that you guys are course correcting and doing some stuff? Like there's these wild, you know, getting people's attention, wild hand movements, you know, rolling of eyes, you know, this type of stuff. Is it, is, do you hide it well or, is it, is it, if you know what you're looking for, is it pretty obvious? Uh, I think um, if a musician were watching this gig, they wouldn't have noticed a thing in the first set unless they knew the tune and knew that, wow, hey, uh, that whole section's gone. You know, that kind of thing. No, we, it was just a quick look like, yep. All right. We're all on the same page. No problem. Just keep rolling. We know where we are and we're going to stay here. We're not going back to find that other spot. You know, we're just moving forward. It's all good. Um in the second set there, you might've noticed there's, you know, more like overt, like, Hey, you know, not, I don't know if there was any hand waving, but it was, you know, eyes and, you know, more trying to get people's attention because it wasn't happening automatically. 
So yeah, you probably yeah. Would have, probably would have noticed it in the second set. Yeah, I think so. So I, I've had uh, I can recall a time where um, you know how we had that conversation about uh, about leadership and how it's different than business and you know remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so I, I can recall a time maybe three four years into the band where someone in the band was having a bad night mm-hmm. and it was mostly focus and concentration things that they you know kind of like the difference between mental errors and physical errors. You can kind of forgive physical errors, right? Sure. You know, if it's a really tricky lick and you just can't do it and you, and you go for it and you just can't do it, that you can, but mental errors and focus are the things that I think everyone ex- expects. But I turned around and I said, you know, I, I yelled at a guy, I said, you know, get it together, right? Mm. Um, and this is an interesting thing. Uh, some guys will respond well to that. Yeah, I know it's on me. Some guys will be extremely embarrassed and withdraw way more. Yep. And and it screws them for the rest of the night, right? It it really, you know, it, it, that which has kind of been you're hoping will just go away has just been brought to everybody's attention. Yes, right. And that, now it's a thing, right? Yeah, and now it's a thing. Kind of like when you tackle the drummer. I, I recall, yeah. Yeah, that was really I mean, for anybody listening, that was for entertainment sake. I just of would course. like to clear my <laughs> clear my reputation here. But <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. Yeah. And it and the wrong guy. I mean, if the crowd could and I've done it, too. So, you know, I am I, I say this only um, by by creating a pedestal upon which evidently neither one of us can stand. Uh, but yeah. you know, the best thing would be to somehow communicate that in a, the correct way for that person to hear and b in the correct way so that no other person who's not on the stage hears or is even aware of, right. You don't yep. want the crowd to know that this is happening. And sometimes frustration or, you know, a frustration combined with the, the urgency of being of needing or feeling the need to communicate this right now means mm. that, you know, you, you, it breaks that fourth wall for sure. And not in a good way. Not in a good way. I, I don't think there's ever a time on stage where a band member should even risk embarrassing another band member. It's, it's, it's probably not going to get the desired result. Ever. In most cases, I mean, there's some, some people might respond better to a challenge like that. I don't know. Sure. It's a pretty rare thing. But in general, you know, that is part of professionalism is is solving problems as a team mm-hmm. and uh, and and kind of navigating your way through some murky waters. And, and you know, and it happens in different ways. Forms are a big thing. But I, I've come to the even 17 years into this band. It is probably the one thing that I that I want to recite to everybody over and over. Focus. Be prepared, focus, 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 which is, you know, kind of a mantra of anything that you're trying to do professionally, right? Yeah. You have the skills, you've practiced, you know, you've, you've done the back work and, you know, you're, you're, you've earned every right to, to execute this thing you're about to execute. The thing that usually stands in people's way is, is mental attention. And, you know, some people you know, in music, some people just like to clear their mind and let the moment carry things. Some people are good at that, but I mean, I think this the focus is a team has sport. to be there underneath it. Yeah. 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 I guess that's it. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, right. the, the, the concept of saying, dude, I'm just going to like, see where the music takes me is not mutually exclusive from the responsibilities you have to interact with your bandmates, you know, to hold your part of the bargain, play your parts, yeah. you know, communicate, work through problems. 
with a ten piece band, it's particularly interesting um, when it, when a when a section goes awry. Now, I'm always amazed. I'm I'm amazed that we come out of these things as often as we do, <laughs> fairly untarnished, right? Sure. Because you know, and but it's a learned thing, and and the, and the big part of the learned thing is follow the leader. I mean, when different people try and step forward and solve something, especially if it's an unexpected person with an unexpected voice yes. um, trying to you know pull something out, that often causes even more confusion. Because yeah, so, nobody's, so here's nobody's expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. So we did um, – this wasn't a big thing, but it's a good example. So we played this club and on Saturday night, and the club has like a really little platform that's out in the audience somewhere. Usually people get on top of the platform and dance or something like that. So we're playing um, Glory Days by You Know Who. Yes. And, um, oh, you don't know? No, Bruce Springsteen. I'm a big fan. I don't think I've ever shared that with you. Oh, no kidding. I, I just thought yeah. you started playing that tune because we had because uh, I had suggested it for the Macworld All-Star Band years ago. And I, I figured you just picked it up from there. I had no idea you I'm knew anything about Bruce. Yeah, just happy to enlighten you. Um, anyway, so we're, we're doing this vamp at the end of it, and um, I, I motioned to the horns to follow me out onto this platform. Yeah. So they, it took them a second to see for real, and then they got it, and we went out there, and everything was fine, and the audience was loving it. I mean, there's like, you know, we're crowded onto this platform. We're just rocking and vamping, and, and it's really fun. And then Nick looks at me. So he's on the stage seated at his keyboards, and he looks at me and he indicates what I thought was extremely clear to me that we should do a fake ending and then, then count it back in and, and vamp out some more. Oh, nice. Yeah. I got, I got it completely, but I was, all, <laughs> I was the only one. <laughs> yeah. So we end the song and I try to count it back in and I, pretty much what I got was eight confused faces and it kind of, you know, it kind of fizzled <laughs> for there and mostly we had a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen. And, you know, we it, it's interesting that um, and I, I have to be I, I feel like I should, especially for the sake of my bandmates and, and, and this, I there was something I wanted to a topic I wanted to revisit. And it's this uh, from our, uh, you know, that when you kind of interviewed me as the drummer and there was one piece of that I wanted to, to revisit and I had thought about it on the way to the gig. And then, of course, after the gig, I'm like, well, I got to make sure that the guys know that this is, you know, my reason for revisiting this is not based on Friday night. It was just in a general sense. And and you had asked me the difference between or you'd asked me, uh, you know, whose role is it to keep time? And and I sort of balked at the drummer at that being the drummer's job. There are mo there most of the night. The time does need to be kept by the drummer. And in my head. I confused or combined keeping time with counting, you know, and paying attention. And it's, it's that it's, it's that, you know, if there's a four beat break, well, everybody needs to know that that's a four beat break and everybody needs to count it. And it shouldn't be up to the drummer to play some overly obvious fill to show everyone where the one is. Right. It could be if it's a jam session and there's, you know, it's the first time you've ever done it. If you've been doing it for five years, that doesn't need to happen. Right. Everybody should just know where it is. And um, and it's that attention, like you said, that 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 attention that gets lost on stage that um, can be the most frustrating. But there are times when it's awesome. And, and we had one of those the other night. We play. Um, uh, you shook me all night long. ACDC, right? Mm. 
But we can't sing that song. I can't sing the verses to that. Nobody, I mean, nobody in our band can. It's way up there. So we play the intro, the choruses, and the solo just as you would expect. The verses, however, we put into this two-beat kind of uh, bluegrass thing, and we sing them with really tight country harmonies, two of us do. And it's it's a it's a blast. It's always, you know, the crowd always gets a kick out of it because they hear that that intro that's, you know, totally classic, and then boom, suddenly it's in this two-beat thing. And most times it goes over well. Sometimes you'll get the guy that's like, oh, you know, you ruined that song. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. We would have ruined it if we did it either way, you know? Um <laughs> But the other night, it worked out really well. A friend of ours, uh, or a friend of, well, it's a friend of the band, but he's a friend of Russ's, uh, is a guy named Keith that plays uh, guitar in this band here called Ovation. That's an 80s tribute band, right? Um, and so he knows all of these tunes. So we brought him up to play this song, but he had never heard Fling do this song before. So I looked at him and I said, okay, here's how it's going to go. You have to start it. You know, and we kind of made this conversation public because I figured it would be good to have the crowd in on this. I'm like, you start it. And then you'll know the solo you're going to be able to play because we play that the same. And the choruses, you'll know where we are. But in the verses, it's going to be a whole different thing for you. You've never done this song this way, you know. And he's like, he was a good sport about it. You know, he was cool. But he was looking at me and looking at the rest of the band for cues as to where to go. That's totally fine, right? Makes perfect sense. And it worked out great. He was a perfect straight man to the joke of turning this thing into a hillbilly tune. And, and it worked out really well. But if you've been playing with somebody for five years, you don't want that to happen on stage, right? You, you don't need them to be a straight man. There's no joke. You need to know where you are. And that's the thing you, you've, you, you said, you've never seen me get um, the, the dark side of Dave, right? That's where the dark side of Dave comes out is when, mm. just like you were saying, you, you know, song form, if you aren't focused and you haven't figured out how to remember the form of this song, when you're on stage, uh, but then you got to figure it out because that's, what's going to frustrate me the most. You know, we, we rehearsed it, we talked about it and really in my mind, we only need to talk about it once and then you should know it. And that doesn't mean that we're perfect. I screwed up the form of a song, uh, the other night I screwed up dancing days I, for whatever reason. And, and I know the reason, but it doesn't matter. I wanted to end the song before the guitar solo at the end. It wasn't that I wanted to end it before the solo. It's I thought it, that's where the end was, you know, and then Mike started playing the solo. It was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Duh. Here we are. I mean, I'm not immune to this, but, um, but that's where, you know, I feel like the responsibility is if you came to rehearsal and we talked through it, it's now on you. And if that means you need a chart on stage, well, okay. You know, hopefully not, but okay. Get it done. That's my feeling on it. I, I, I would bet people listening to this anywhere. Focus is probably the most common thing. I mean, yeah. if you're in a, if you're in a band, you've kind of come to grips with the uh, technical capabilities of your bandmates and right. you've chosen to stay or not stay that type of thing. Yep. But, it, it, and I think there's, you know, it's certainly, you know, when I played sports, it's, it's, it's mental focus is really the key. Th those are, those are the things you should be able to eliminate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's within your power. That's within your power. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now let's, let's be cautious here. Cause it doesn't mean that all, you know, mental errors are, you know, reasons for termination or, right. you know, yeah. I mean, you know, we have a lot of things going on in our lives these days and, you know, we'd sure. like to think that the stage is kind of a bit of a sanctuary. People are going to make mistakes, 
But I don't think it's a bad I don't think it's a bad mantra for bands, you know, when they get into their pre-gig prayer circle or whatever it may be, focus, 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 concentrate. You know, we're here to do a job tonight. Let's do it the best we possibly can. And, you know, let's let's really let's let's try and cut down on the mistakes that we can cut down on. Yeah. If you're constantly striving for that. You know, I and and you know, I think that's kind of a, one of the cool things when I refer to playing in a band as a team sport. I mean, that's one of the cool things is that you know, even if you're starting to drift towards a mistake, if a teammate can kind of pull you in and save you, that's Absolutely. a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, that creates trust, that creates chemistry, that creates a lot of really good things. Well, those are the but moments the I actually like the best on stage, or where there's something that you know goes awry or goes differently either intentionally or not. Right. And then everybody needs, like you said, you have that trust. Yeah. So, but if it's a, if it's a thing that's happening over and over again, that's where my frustration comes out. It's like, oh, come on, you know, that's fair. Get it together. Yeah. And it, it may not be fair. Uh, you know, I, and I know it, it's, it may just be that um, it's more me than them, but I don't know. I it's, it's the thing that frustrates me the most. When, well, uh, I would say it's the thing that you want to bring to a band conversation. Like, what are yeah. our expectations of each other? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so if you are the only one who has that high an expectation, other people should speak up. I mean, some guy might say, listen, man, I do give it everything I have. But, you know, I got two kids. My wife's yeah. not feeling well. You know, we haven't slept a lot, you know, and, and that might fly for you. That might not fly for sure. you. Uh, but um, I, I've always said this. The thing that makes a successful band is shared um, expectations, you know, shared, um, shared framework for what success is, yep. is good. Like if it, it, you know, it is as simple as if one guy wants to play once a month and one guy wants to play 10 times a month, you're probably going to have some tension between those two people. You're going to have a problem. If one yeah. guy, yeah. If one guy has an expectation, I'm, I'm going to come and I'm, you're going to get what you're going to get from me. And another guy has an expectation. No, I, I've rehearsed, you know, <laughs> for 25 hours so we can get this right. I don't want to be the only guy who thinks it should be right. I mean, that's fair. So shared expectations, yeah. I think, are one of the keys to good band chemistry. And this concept of focus, which is it really interesting that you bring it up in this way. And, and, you know, we should probably say we both know that that our bandmates listen to what we're doing here. And, you know, we you know, we want to provide a valuable service as we can to the people who listen and, you know, and, and both of us are in bands that we love. And so, you know, it's not that we're snowing people here. No. But, you know, we, we're, we're, we're cautious, you know, to, that our dirty laundry still remains our own band's dirty laundry. And I think everybody <laughs> who plays in a band can appreciate that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah, yeah. that's just fair. This concept of focus, though, I think permeates any musical endeavor that I've ever had. Well, and that, that's why I expectations. said, that's why I said what I said it, was that this was on my on my list of topics for this week, long before or not long before, but, but on the way to my gig on Friday night. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I mean, we had examples of this on Friday, but we probably would have had them anyway. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's how it goes playing in a band. Yeah. Yeah. Th th the concept of locked in is not just a musical expression. It's, it's a, it's a social construct it I is think, as much social, as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. And I like the, the, um, nonverbal communication for, for, well, for, for it being the right term, you know, that those things that can happen on stage when you're playing with, with people, uh, you know, and, and something goes differently. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, um, it's frankly, that's the thing 
And I think I, I really feel like anybody that plays music, my, my drum teacher, when he was a kid, he said this to me, I don't know. I, he had some student, it wasn't me, but he had somebody that was complaining that, you know, Oh, I can't believe my bass player is playing with this other person. And he's like, it's not your girlfriend, man. It's like, they're just playing music. He's like, you, it's cool for people. You should play with other musicians because it helps you with that language, right? Because as soon as you play with somebody new uh, or even somebody different, you, you know, it, it in- expands that vocabulary, not only your musical vocabulary, but your sort of that stage awareness that, that, you know, nonverbal communication that happens like it, it opens those doors and it's a good thing. And, um, well, well, <laughs> you, you've taken a little turn here. That is a very interesting thing to me. I am going to wave my hand here and say, I am a raving jerk on the opposite side of the coin of you. And I'll tell you why as a leader and as the guy who goes out and gets gigs to go out and get a, have a gig and, um, and maybe not have your A team available to play a gig for you is an incredibly frustrating oh, that, thing. But so, that's different. I mean, it, it, you well, it, you can do both. I, I, it maybe not in your band, right? I mean, your band plays a lot, especially in you know four or five months of the year, right? So it may be impossible for people to play in two or three bands and honor their commitment to making all of the gigs with any one of them. With a schedule like yours, but that doesn't mean that on a Wednesday night, they shouldn't get together with some other buddies and just have a jam. I mean, it's two different things. I'll agree with you with that. I I do agree with that. Although the context that I often find is, is that you get together with a couple of buddies on, on a Wednesday and it's a little bit of a different type of music and it's a different thing. Yep. I don't know. I think, I think just things organically grow. And if you tempt the waters, you know, so while I don't, I think people should jam and, you know, play, play as much music as you can, but the concept of a commitment is a very dicey and tenuous thing. I, I have a buddy who um, put together a band that um, played kind of uh, acid fusion type stuff, really kind of progressive stuff. Sure. Hard to book. They were very good. He got them a gig in a really, really good place. Only to have one of his people say, yeah, I can't really do that. Can't you know, it was it. like a, it was a gig for like, I don't know. I remember it was a weekly gig or a monthly gig or something like that. And and all of a sudden, after all this effort, someone said, you know, yeah, I can't do that, that type of commitment. I, I think everybody on the same page moving forward is a really important thing. So let me just contextualize this. Jamming with other people. Good looking for other gigs to fit, to possibly fill other time is, it, and you know, dude, maybe this is, we, we seem to be doing this when we come to the end of shows as we come up with good ideas for oh, the next thing. Yeah. I just want to say I am a raving jerk to my bandmates when they let me know that they've got other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have <laughs> and different the thing I hear back is what we have different thoughts about this. Uh, and now, <laughs> and now folks, you're hearing the, the weird lag because we're getting animated about this. Um, and we're interrupting each other, but, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, it, I, I've actually been thinking lately, wow, you know, i like chafe doesn't play much. And unfortunately the chafe gigs that, um, that have been booked or booked at, uh, times when I'm just out of town or whatever. And, uh, I'm like, you know, I, I need a second band. It, it's a good thing for me. 
not that not that there's I mean, and the guys in Fling know this because, I mean, they've rarely have they known me to be in only one band. But um, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, not every band serves every musical uh Every it doesn't scratch every musical itch, but th- again, it doesn't mean. I mean, Fling scratches so many itches for me, right? But and and mm-hmm. because of that, there's a commitment there. If we book a gig, and I, this is true of anybody I book a gig with, if I book a gig with you, it's locked in. You don't have to worry about me canceling. That's it. And and honestly, if something comes up where I do need to like ask you about it, I'm going to ask you about it, and it's up to you. If it's if whatever solution I propose is okay, you know, and it's it's rare. So I would I would ca- go ahead. I would counter that, Dave, and say if you want to play in a band that's successful and is able to get more gigs, consistency and quality are two great things that you can that you can work on. Yeah, and if if a band has to sub people out just to fill a spot, the the quality that you're going to offer your customer is going to be less and the customer can be the booking agent or the, or the audience. The band is not as good with a mix of an A team and a B team as it is with an A team. That's, I think that's, that's a pretty obvious thing. We don't disagree there. I I don't, I don't want to play in a band that's subbing anybody out ever. Hmm. Um, So if I, and again, that's why I say that, you know, your band plays, I mean, you're playing three, three, four nights a week sometimes, right. In in the summer, that doesn't really leave, that doesn't leave room for other things. But if you're in a band that plays, one to three times a month, you can fit another one to three times a month in there with something else. As long as you can, and, 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 you know, I'm a testament to this and I know I've frustrated people with it, but you know, if the, if the goal of the band and every certainly fling, uh, chafed is a little different with this and I don't like the sub thing in chafed, but usually, um, we don't have to deal with it. Uh, but fling is this way. We don't sub anybody out and we don't play without the five of us. And as long as everybody's on that page uh, and, and again, like you said, you know, that everybody's on the the same page in terms of gig frequency and all that, it can be worked out. If the gig frequency is, is low enough that it doesn't get in the way of that. Again, I don't don't think your band could, could support people playing in multiple projects. Right. And I had a, I had a band member once say to me, you know, we had a bunch of gigs lined up and uh, he, he said, I'm giving you six months notice. I'm going to miss a gig that's out into the future. Sure. And I said, well, but that gig's been on the calendar for a while. Yeah. And, and, and I said, he said, well, you know, you know, I got a chance to do something. And it's kind of fun to do something different once in a while. And I'm like, dude, what if I had nine guys telling me that all the time? Right. You know, do you cherry picking my gigs? Should I be able to cherry pick what gigs I offer you? Right. And then, you know, then conversation yeah. turned really quickly. <laughs> that changed, well, but, but that's that's different, though. Right. I mean, it, it, there's because we're here <clears throat> and I, I understand why with 10 guys, it's probably impossible not to confuse or combine the um, multiple project conversation with the commitment conversation. Right. But it, it they they are not mutually exclusive. Well, let me put it to you this way and then tell me what you think. Okay. I, my, my position is better to put your efforts into one thing and make it successful because it will be more successful and make more money and gig more. Probably if your goal is to gig, which I think is kind of the universal thing, like most musicians would like to have gigs. They'd like to have more gigs rather than more different gigs. I believe, I believe, I think you work against yourself if you take the position 
<coughs> excuse me, if you take the position, you know, I'm going to do a bunch of different things. Yeah, but that's Make just one it. thing great. That, I, I, that, that, that's the, that's the difference, right? I would, I actually would rather play four times a month, two different projects, you know, twice, twice each with two different projects that, that aren't playing the same kind of music that are doing two different things. Like when I was in fling and in groove syndicate, that was absolutely bliss for me because I had this, you know, rock and roll, original tight harmonies, really, really, you know, I mean, just all the great stuff that fling has, I had that going on. Plus I had this band that was this, you know, seven piece band with some horns and we were doing kind of stuff like you guys do. In fact, we shared some charts uh, when I was in that band. That was great um, because it was two totally different things and serve two totally different parts of me musically. But, um, and together they, you know, they, they kind of form that whole, uh, whereas now there's, I'm missing some stuff musically. Um, it kills me as a leader to know that some of my guys, musical creativity and some of their allegiance and some of their possible scouting, helping out, finding gigs or things like yeah. that is, would be diverted to other projects. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, and, Told you. And it goes, yeah, it goes raving we, jerk. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, I, I mean, there's a difference though, between we're talking about commitment versus monogamy. Right. I mean, it, to, <laughs> to put it into my, my old drum teachers, you know, it's not your girlfriend, but if you said you were going to be there and, and he, and he was the one that, I mean, he drilled both of these things into me. He's like, play music with as many people as you can, but the, you know, even more important than how well you play is your word. And once you commit to a gig, that's it. You show up for that gig. He says, I don't care if the gig was a $20 gig and now somebody's offering you, you know, 500 to go play somewhere else. You keep that $20 gig because you know what? It's going to get around. And, and I mean, he was, he was crazy about that. You want to talk about a radio jerk? Yeah. 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 But, but I, 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 Again, depending on frequency of performances, frequency of gigs, uh, it it can work quite well um, to have. To I, have I don't know about problems. you. I'd love to hear what our readers, what our listeners think about this. So I, I'm hoping there's probably a lot of leaders out there going, yes, yes, you guys are making me crazy with all these other gigs. And there's probably a lot of musicians, you know, sidemen who are going, yeah. I'm a musician. I'll play where I want to play, when I want to play, how I want to play. I, we would love to hear what you guys think about this stuff because uh, obviously Dave and I, great friends, we're on different sides of the coin about this. Yeah, I've I've always thought that if I happen to like live out there or you lived out here, that we have this 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 image that we would really love playing in a band together regularly. I don't actually think that we would. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, do you let me let me put it this not, not I mean, look, for hey, Joe, I love you. And there's no plans in my uh, near or even long-term future to move out to that area. It, anything's possible, but it's not going to happen soon. Uh, and I certainly have no interest in, in replacing Joe. Uh, that said, if, if the situation were different, do you really want another type A person in your band? Um, well, and I don't know. Maybe Joe's very type A. He, he seems to come across pretty laid back to me. <laughs> so... Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that you would like me uh, in your band. 
Uh, I, I would like to think I would like you in my yeah, band. No, I mean, I, I, there know, would be moments. Every, every musical interaction we ever had has been really has really been enjoyable. Absolutely, and and I think we've made some quality music together. But totally agree. Um, another type A. Yeah, I guess you know there is. You can only have so many of those. Um, it's a leadership style. Yep. And you would know, like I said, uh, you know, I've had guys come into my band who thought they knew a lot, and they'll tell me after a while. I've learned so much in this band and they thought they were type A and sure. you know, sometimes you match a couple type A's together and they find their space where they add value. Yep. If, if the, you know, if you're moving the whole thing forward, but I, I hear what you're saying. It would be very, di- uh, your band would be very different if I were in it, not necessarily song list or any of that, but, but the dynamic as it always does when you change somebody out, especially a rhythm section player, it would be different. We're going to find out, right? Well, yeah, we're going to play a couple of gigs together. I mean, you know, the, and, we'll get, and we'll get a hint. We'll get it maybe. Yeah, may, maybe the <laughs> second day I'll start saying, you know, it would be better, Paul, is if we uh, if we tweak this little thing here. <laughs> maybe, but probably not because I'm going to have a lot. You know, I'm not going to like I'm going to come in. Y- you know, we talk about I talked earlier in the episode about needing uh, somebody to, you know, look at and kind of coach you through the gig. Um, it doesn't matter how much rehearsal I put in on my own. We're not going to get any rehearsal together. So I'm going to need somebody, right. you know, looking at me and telling me, all right. Yep. Remember? Yep. Okay. And uh, Steve's good at that. So I'm um, very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so is Nick actually. So I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm in good hands, but I'm definitely going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy saying, oh, we should do this. Like, no, just tell me what we do. We'll get it through. <laughs> I'll play my best. Funny. So, yeah. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com, folks, in, uh, and also our Facebook group at facebook.com uh, slash giggabpodcast. Let us know your thoughts on all this, because it's always interesting. Anything else to share, Paul? Oh, sure. Oh, this is fun, Dave. I enjoyed this. Yeah, same. I'm glad the uh, Skype gods sort of, uh, you know, sort of let us do this. We'll see you next week. See ya. 